You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Testimony of the vanity of riches about Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. It powerfully showed that there was no satisfaction in him. Everything is vanity. It's all vanity. And Solomon's writing at the end of his life when he wrote these beautiful words. He says, there's nothing here. We don't have to be as rich as Solomon to learn this lesson, folks. It matters who you are, not what you have. Wow, that's a powerful truth. It matters who you are, not what you have. It's amazing how someone's life from over 2,000 years ago can teach lessons that are so relevant for today. In today's message, Pastor Dave will teach you about what you can learn from the imperfect heart of King Solomon. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 1 as he continues his introduction to the book of 2 Chronicles. But he went with all of Israel to Gibeon where the old tabernacle was, the tabernacle of meeting, the big tent, you know, the great big tent place. Why would he go there? It says so right in here. The bronze altar was there. What was the bronze altar used for? Sacrifice. Yes, it was used for atoning sacrifice. Absolutely. They went there because that's where they went to sacrifice. That was a sacrificial place at the time. It wasn't at the Ark of the Covenant at the time. It was there at the Tabernacle of Meaning. So Solomon is doing everything right. He's doing it according. Now the bronze altar, you can read about it in Exodus 36 verses 1 and 2 when it was made. Do you realize at this point the bronze altar is some 500 years old? The bronze altar is 500 years old at this point. So what do they do when they get there? Look at verse 6. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle meadle, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Whew, that's a lot of bull. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be here all week. Tip your waitress. I'll be here all week. I don't know. Can you imagine a thousand bulls, goats, whatever? Do you imagine that? That's how rich Solomon was. That shows you the richness he had to offer those things, to make that offering there for the whole assembly. He was there, and he went up there, and he did it. Now, I'm sure that Solomon didn't do it. I'm sure the priest did it because that was the correct way. Solomon wasn't a priest, and he wasn't supposed to do it. He was the king. The king was not the priest. Remember when we studied some of the kings in the northern kingdom got in trouble because they did sacrifices? They weren't supposed to. So we have to remember that. Solomon couldn't do that, so I'm sure one of the priests did it. So after this great atoning sacrifice, after he did this, after they sought the Lord together, the assembly sought him there. The whole assembly seeking the Lord. The whole assembly here seeking the Lord God. Solomon led them in this time. Solomon gets alone with the Lord, and the Lord speaks to him. The Lord comes to him. Now, in 1 Kings 3, it says that the Lord came to him in a dream, and he spoke to him. What did he say? Well, let's read 7 through 12. On that night, 
God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David my father be established, for you have made me king over the people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for riches nor wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but you asked for wisdom, knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. Wow. Solomon gets before the Lord, and the Lord appears to him in this dream. And the Lord says, what can I give you after this atoning sacrifice? Remember, there was an atoning sacrifice first, which meant confession of sin. It was an atoning sacrifice. They were confessing sin. It's kind of like us going to the cross and confessing our sin and trying to come clean with God and kind of say, oh, I've done these things. And then after that, he got quiet before the Lord, and he actually was asleep, and the Lord appeared to him. It was after he worshiped, after he made atoning sacrifice. This is what I keep saying, is after we worship the Lord, and after the word of God is taught, and after we come clean, and after we pray, things happen. God speaks. God does miracles. God does wonders. God gives out gifts. God does all sorts of things, but it follows in order. It follows worship, and it follows the word, and it follows prayer. And then God does miraculous things in our midst. This is what happens here. Ask, what shall I give you? Can you imagine God asked you today? God asked you tonight, what can I give you? Oh, Lord, Mercedes Benz. <laughs> no, Solomon didn't ask for that. He didn't ask for riches. He asked for wisdom and knowledge so that he could lead God's people. What a beautiful prayer for a leader. What a beautiful prayer to ask. This is one thing. It wasn't because he sacrificed a thousand animals. It wasn't because of anything like that. It was because at that moment, Solomon's heart was surrendered to God. Solomon's heart was surrendered to God. He's going to say in chapter 16, verse 9, one of my favorite verses, and the Lord took through and throw throughout the land for a heart on which he can show himself strong on his behalf. Solomon's heart was ready. Solomon's heart was ready to receive what God was going to bestow upon him. God wanted to do something in Solomon through his offer and his response, what would you ask for? What would you ask for tonight? Wow. The natural reaction in reading this promise of God to Solomon is, wish we had a promise. Well, we do have them. We have God's promises. Look at what Solomon does before asking for the Lord. He remembered God's faithfulness to both David and himself in verse 8. Oh, Lord, look what you've done. Oh, Lord, you've shown great mercy to my father, and you've made me king. He's remembering these things. He's remembering these things. He's interesting. He came before God with great humility. Great humility. He didn't come up and say, I'm king, and I deserve this. You need to give me this, Lord, because I demand that you give it to me, because I'm king. Ooh. I don't want to go to the Lord that way. Mm -mm. No. He asked for an understanding heart. He says, I need to judge these people. I need to be with these people. And there's so many of them. 
The multitude, he said. Look at it. He said they're the great multitude. Like the dust of the earth, there's a great multitude of people. By now, Israel has multiplied, and they're huge. He said, this God is bigger than any person. I need you, Lord. I need you. I love this. There's a lesson to be learned here, guys. It's a great lesson to be learned here. He asked for understanding. He asked for understanding. He wanted understanding in his heart, not merely in his head. He didn't want head knowledge. He wanted heart knowledge. He wanted understanding. He wanted to apply the wisdom that he had. That's knowledge, applying the wisdom that he had. He wanted to apply it correctly. The Hebrew word that's translated understanding is literally hearing. Solomon wanted a hearing heart, one that would listen to God. Is your heart pliable and ready to hear from the Lord? He wants to speak to you. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then you are one of his children. And as a wonderful, loving father, a good, good father, he wants to speak to you. He wants to have a conversation with his kids. And we're told, ask. Ask. If your heart is right with God, we're told in the Gospel of John to ask, and it will be given. We're told if our heart is right with God, we can ask. James tells us, but you ask amiss. Don't ask wrongly. Ask in faith, believing that you will receive. And make sure what you're asking for is what God wants you to have. And how do we know that? By sitting before him and letting the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. I want that. That's great stuff. God speaking to you. Can you imagine that? Ephesians 1.18, the apostle Paul prayed for the Christians and he asked that the Lord would open the eyes of their understanding, that they would be enlightened. What does Solomon want? To go out and come in before my people. He's just asking, I need to be able to fulfill my duties, Lord. I need to be able to do the things that you've told me to do as the king. I want to do them correctly. What a great prayer for a leader. Who can judge these people? He knew that these people were way too big for him to judge alone. He needed the help. He needed the help. Verse 10 of 1 Kings, it said that Solomon's speech pleased the Lord. God was pleased by what Solomon asked for, and that he knew his great need for wisdom, discernment, and understanding. God was also pleased by what Solomon didn't ask for. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for this. He didn't ask for that. But then God gave it to him as a plus. Not only did he answer Solomon's prayer, but he answered it beyond all expectations. Is he not able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever think or ask? My gosh, if your heart is right for him, he will ask anything. In Ephesians 3.20, Paul honored God saying, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. Solomon experienced God's ability to do so far more than he ever thought. All he was asking for was wisdom. Give me wisdom, Lord. Give me understanding so that I can lead your people. And notice that. Solomon never claimed they were his people. This is important. I can't claim you as mine. You belong to God. You're God's sheep. You're God's children. You don't belong to me. You belong to God. And woe to me if I don't care for you correctly. I have to answer for that. I have to answer for that. So Solomon has to answer for the people of Israel. God has given us so much more than we could ever think or imagine. Mark's been going through the blessings one at a time in Ephesians. 
And he handed out this great handout sheet on the mighty blessings of God. It is remarkable when you sit and look at that. And I don't know if you remember correctly, there was a time a while back that I gave you a handout sheet that had the 75 blessings of God. God's blessings are too many to number. It's too many to number when we think about it. Solomon asked wisely, and he asked according to God's character. He asked according to God's faithfulness. He didn't want his possession. I want these. These are mine. Somebody wrote this. I had to write it down. What we are is more important than what we have. When you declare that you're a child of God, that is the most important thing you could ever declare in your life. Being a child of God outweighs anything you would ever, ever have. Because being a child of God means you have salvation through Jesus Christ. And if you have that, you have everything you will ever need. Amen is right. Let's finish the chapter. So, verse 13. So Solomon came to Jerusalem from the high place that was at Gibeon, from before the tabernacle of meeting, and reigned over Israel. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities with the king in Jerusalem. Also the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedars as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the lowlands. And Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kiev, and king's merchants brought them in from Kiev at the current price. And they also acquired and imported more from Egypt, a chariot for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. Thus, through the air agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Well, that was short-lived, wasn't it? That was short-lived. That was just a blip of the eye. He reigned or began his reign with great wisdom that God had given him to Gibeon. What is the example of Solomon's great wisdom that the chronicler here left out? The baby. Remember the mom with the baby? Right? Cut him in half. What? No, he showed great wisdom. That was fantastic wisdom. That it was renowned. But this chronicler left it out. So Solomon now appears, his heart was towards the Lord. But as I said, it was short-lived. Take a minute and turn all the way back to Deuteronomy 17. It's important that we look at just a couple verses here, reading verses 14 through 20. The headline says, Principles Governing Kings. The Lord is writing this to Moses as part of the law. He says, And when you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. This is interesting. This happened hundreds of years before they went into the land and God was already prophesying that you're going to want a king. I love that. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but here it is. He shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart be turned away. Nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. 
And it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, and he shall write for himself a copy of this law in the book, and with one before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him, he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in this kingdom, he and his children, in the midst of Israel. So here, God now presents Moses with the law concerning kings. These are the principles that God says that kings can't do. And you notice, what did Solomon do? He started gathering chariots and horsemen. Uh, Sorry, Solomon. He was famous for the stables. The stables of Solomon were world-renowned. They were world-renowned even to this day. Unfortunately, it shows one thing, and I think this is a lesson for us today. Solomon did not take God's word seriously. He did not take it seriously. Remember, he was supposed to write the words of the law down. He was supposed to study it day and night. He was supposed to take it into himself. Well, obviously, he didn't do this. It shows that Solomon didn't take God's word seriously. He made silver and gold, and he made it common. His great wealth, he had these riches that became more important to him than God. He deliberately asked for wisdom to lead the people instead of riches and fame. And God promises him riches and fame, and he uses it, and God fulfills his promise. But here we have all this craziness. Think about Ecclesiastes. He makes this great, great testimony of the vanity of riches about Ecclesiastes, at the end of his life, it powerfully showed that there was no satisfaction in him. Everything is vanity. It's all vanity. And Solomon was writing at the end of his life when he wrote these beautiful words. He says, there's nothing here. We don't have to be as rich as Solomon to learn this lesson, folks. It matters who you are, not what you have. It matters who you are. If you're a child of the Most High God, through believing in Jesus Christ, then you have everything, everything, everything you will ever need. And God will supply all my riches through Christ Jesus. We need to take those to heart and believe those and trust that God will do those things according to his purpose. The kingdom now is pretty wealthy. But the chronicler here is warning us. He is warning us. Look at these instructions to kings and take them into your heart for you. Don't misuse the word of God. Don't take the word of God for license. You know, I've said this before. Mark has said it. I've heard Bill said it. Anybody who teaches the word of God has said it before from times. You can make the word of God justify anything you do. Anything you do. But you've got to be careful. All things are legal, but not all things are expedient. All things are legal, but not all things are expedient. I need to be careful how I handle the word of God and how I apply it to my life. This was direct disobedience on Solomon's part, and it was the start of a slippery slide. It was the start of his slide downward. It was direct disobedience because God said, don't multiply horses. Don't go to Egypt. And Solomon did both those things. Don't multiply silver and gold. Solomon did both those things. God told him, don't multiply wives. And Solomon multiplied wives. 
over 3,000 concubines and wives. He slid down. It seemed natural to him. Maybe it seemed natural to him because David had multiple wives. I don't know. But it seemed natural to him at that time. But it clearly said in God's word, don't do these things. Well, we're not under the law anymore, Dave. No, we're not. But we're still under God's word. And God has told us certain things. Paul tells us certain things in the epistles. John tells us in the epistles. James, there are certain things that we need to think about. Certain things that we need to abide by. And there are rules in Christianity. Greatest rule is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. The second rule is to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do these, Jesus says you've done well. And if I'm loving the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and with everything I have, I'm going to take his word for what it is, his word. And I'm going to apply it to my life, and I'm going to live accordingly. It is simple as that. But we make it so difficult. We make it so difficult. We want to know, what about that person over there? What did Jesus tell Peter? You don't worry about that person. If he should stay till I come back, what's it to you? You follow me. And that's our call. You follow me. That's what Jesus said. Follow me. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. There are things that we have to do as a Christian that we should do for holiness, for sanctification as the Spirit leads us. There's confession of heart. There's all these things that we have to do. Well, I can't do that. Maybe you lack the power. Yeah, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit again. I'm always seeing to get way back there, don't I? You need a Holy Spirit in your life to give you the power to do those things that you're lacking, to help you with those things. That's his job. That's why God sent him to you, to teach you all truth, to teach of Jesus Christ, to witness of Jesus, to lead you into all truth, to conform you into the image of Jesus. He does those things for you. Stop quenching him. Stop grieving him. Stop ignoring him. When God knocks on the door and says, I want you to have my Holy Spirit, I want the Holy Spirit to be able to lead your life and guide your life, stop saying no. The key word when God speaks is, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Just like Jesus is always a great answer in a Bible study, yes, Lord is always a good answer when the Lord calls. Solomon didn't do that. Started out a house of fire. Things went south real fast. And he's going to pay dearly for this. He's going to pay dearly for his mess-ups. And sin has a price. Sin has a price even today. We are forgiven on the cross. We have been forgiven by what Jesus did on the cross. Yes, we have. But sin carries consequences. Sin carries consequences. We're going to see Solomon now go on a path which will lead to the eventual division of the nation. It will lead to the eventual division of the nation when Israel goes to the north and Judah stays in the south. And we have two kingdoms. It will lead to that. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, there's a revolt during his time. And the nation is split in two. We'll study about that when we get to that. But this is all set up for our study through First Chronicles. And I think it's really important that we remember the things that God has done for us in our lives, that we remember those things and we know that he's going to be faithful and we continue to follow him in the midst of trials, in the midst of circumstances, in the midst of bleak, dark times, in the midst of those. We continue to follow him. I think it's important. You are a sure.
Second Chronicles is the ongoing account of the kings of Israel and then Judah. Here, on Assure Hope, Pastor Dave has been teaching through this book, giving you a good awareness of the things that happened during this time. He started with King Solomon's reign, and you quickly see how when things are managed by mere men, it starts to devolve into selfish wants and desires. This is the way of the world, isn't it? But in contrast to that, you get a glimpse into a few kings who really sought after the Lord and tried to honor him with their kingly reign. Being human, there's always that tension between what you want and how it gives you that esteem versus doing what honors God and gives him glory. It can be easy to look at some of the examples of these kings and quickly start to look down on them. But if you were faced with that same culture and situations, would you do any differently? To know that a few of these men stood up against the crowd is striking. They decided to be countercultural and chose to honor God above all. Wouldn't it be great for God to say the same about you? We're so glad you decided to join us today. This series in the book of 2 Chronicles is one that you'll want to keep tuning into. One teaching connects to the next and helps give you the context of the book as a whole. If you'd like to hear today's message again or you missed one and want to go back to it, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. We're out of time for today, but we're excited for you to join us again. Never forget that because of God, you have a sure hope. Show.